This life-changing message comes to you from Church of the Harvest. It's our prayer that this message will inspire your life and bring hope to your future.
good father if if he had healing and he wouldn't provide it for his child. He wouldn't be a good father if he had provision and would not release it to his children. But he is a good father. And none of his commands, none of his principles, none of his ways are grievous. But their life, their joy, their peace, because he's perfect in all his ways. He never misses it. His word 
brings long life. His word brings joy and peace, undescribable joy. His, his ways are perfect. Did he not say he was the answer? People are looking to and fro for answers in this day. They're fearful and they're hiding. But they still look for answers. They look on the internet. They look to this one and that one. They're searching and searching. Did I not say I'm the answer? That I am the way, the truth, and the life? He that cometh into me, I will no wise cast out. I will welcome them into my family and gladly give them my kingdom. Gladly call them joint heirs with my son, Jesus Christ. Gladly bring great provision and great supply because I want to show them that I'm a father that is in love with them. And I hold nothing back because I've already paid the price through my son for every single need that you could ever desire, anything that you could ever want. And my plan for your life goes beyond this life because all eternity I have a purpose and a plan for you. So rise up and say, I'm your child. I'm your child, God. Look no farther. Right here. Here's one that loves you. Here's one that declares and acknowledges that you're a perfect God, perfect in all your ways. And I'm satisfied in you. I'm satisfied in your love. I'm satisfied in your provision. It's mine. It's mine. It's mine. And I receive it as a little child. I receive it as your, as your very own. And I thank you, God. Father, we release healing in this place today, deliverance and breakthrough. We release it in this place. No pain, no sickness, no disease, no infirmity could stay in this place because this is a place that we acknowledge a good Father who is our healer. He is Jehovah Jireh our provider. He is Jehovah Rapha, our healer. He is Shalom, our peace. Nothing missing or broken in our life. That's a good father. That's, he is perfect in all his ways. And we worship you today, Lord. We worship you. We acknowledge you in all our ways. May Jesus be the center of everything that we do in this life. We give you honor, praise, give you glory to glory glory to God glory to God can we sing just a little bit of that course just lift up your voice and declare who he is that's what we're doing we're loving on God the Father today just praise him
I want to go his way. What about you? If his way is perfect, I want his way. I make a decision to go his way. It's one of those predetermined mindsets. I'm going his way. I don't care what the world says. I don't care what it looks like. I don't care the way I feel. If it doesn't line up his way, I reject it. I'm receiving his way. I'm going his way. Thank you, God. Praise you. We worship in his presence is fullness of joy. His presence. You can be seated. It's the other day just during our Sunday service. A lady told me her, her daughter was, was sick, not feeling well, came into the service. And we were just ministering, believing uh, for God's touch and she turned to her mom and said, all the pain that left her body, her neck, everything, she's moved around as a little child. Just received it. That's the way we're to receive. Trusting Father, just jumping into his arms. You know how kids are? They'll just jump. Once you get a little older, I'm not so sure. <laughs> but we jump in the Father's arms. We jump into his, his love and his care and his provision. Great reports, many great things happening. We got some, a uh, couple great reports. I'm still waiting for them to release it, but uh, it's very exciting what God is doing. While I was driving up this morning, I was just worshiping um, the Lord with Michael Turner and him going. He's, uh, boy, when he's coming, he's releasing his new album. It's going to be awesome. And um, I was just worshiping. And when I turned into the parking lot, just for a flash, I saw every parking spot filled. It was just one of those, what? And then it was like it is now. <laughs> and it was just a glimpse that our, our healing and, and wellness meetings will be packed out. God wants us well. And see, I, I believe we'll have well people coming too because God wants us to live a long life. We're to live a quality of life, the God kind of life. We got to release our faith. There's a whole lot more, a whole lot more. And Jesus prayed that we would not be taken out of this world, but we'd be left in this world. And many people think that Jesus has taken them out. Well, I believe that God the Father hears Jesus' prayers. Said, he said, don't take them out of the world, Father, but protect them from the evil one. But what happens? God is getting blamed for taking people out early, stealing their life, and for not protecting them. I may believe that Jesus' prayer was answered. God heard it. We release faith. I'm going to piggyback on Jesus' prayer. I believe it. So we got people running around scared, and they think that God's doing it. And the truth is, he's our protector. He's not taking us out. He wants us in this world to set the captives free and to bring healing and to bring the kingdom, to bring his presence, to bring his joy. He wants us here. Oh, the Lord, he's, he's taking this out because America's going down the tubes. Not the believer, I'm from a different kingdom. 
I'm not going under, I'm above and not beneath. I'm the head, not the tail. I'm not running. Nothing shall by any means hurt me. Boy, that's for, that's for the believer. Nothing shall by, you've got to believe that or you could lose your head in this day and time. <laughs> Literally. Nothing shall by any means hurt me. He said he would, Jesus said, protect us from the evil one. Anyway, I'm, I'm going to stop this. It's just, no, I want to hear from Joe and what God has given Joe this morning. And uh, I appreciate Joe and her heart for people to be set free, to be healed and delivered, to receive from God. And she has a, a gift to, to make the word simple and people can grab hold and, and understand it. So I want you to give a welcome to Joanne as she comes and ministers the word of God to us. God. Uh, well, Pastor was saying, uh, this place is full. This place is full. And um, you folks have the honor and privilege of being here in the beginning of what the, it's not the beginning of the healing ministry because it's been going on for a while, but it's the beginning of the, the, the move toward where we're going and what God has called us to be into the fullness and to see them. And I have to tell you that um, personally, for my personal side of things and what I really push for in the spirit, Alzheimer, dementia, Lewy body, Parkinson's, cancer, infirmity, and every evil work is going to scream in terror as it flees and, and sets the captives free. Not going to be anything. People are going to come. We're going to be known for that place that you can come in a wrong mind and leave in a right one. In a Jesus, in a Jesus mind. It's so exciting. Um, one of the things when we were in praise and worship, I believe I heard the Spirit of the Lord say there's somebody here that is kind of in a position where they're not where they're supposed to be where God is concerned, that they've backed away a little bit and there's a little bit of remorse and um, uh, let's say it this way, maybe some unworthiness and I want you to know it's a simple step. Lord, forgive me. I repent. I turn. I receive you. I release forgiveness. To everybody and anybody, that unforgiveness will keep you from receiving from God. And it's a very simple thing to do. Well, I don't feel like it. So what? Tell your feelings what they're going to do. So what? You know, who cares? That's what I have to tell myself. Who cares? You grab yourself by the earlobe and you say, you look in front of the mirror, you walk yourself over there, and I'll say, I'll tell you what, that woman in the mirror is going to do this. And she does. You know, she has to listen. The feelings don't, don't have a say for themselves. You have the say. Your soul, your mind, your will and emotion determines whether you're going to hook up with the, the, the life giver in you or if you're going to hook up with the flesh. So glory to God. Father, we just thank you and we praise you and we worship you this morning. Lord, I'm going to stir myself up again. I did it this morning. I did it on the way, but I thank you because I want every bit of the river of living water to flow out to meet every need. I don't care if it's big or small. It makes no difference to you, Lord. It's all the same. You want it gone. Anything that's not of you, any root, 
in us that is not of you, I just pluck it out in the name of Jesus. And we just yield to you, Holy Spirit, and ask you just to have your way. We, you're welcome in this place to do what you want to do when you want to do it and how you want to do it because we are yielded vessels. And we thank you for it, Father, in Jesus' name. Okay, well, let's go over to Mark 5. And we're going to look at today... Um, well, let's do this first. Let's go to Proverbs 4, because this is so familiar of a scripture. And we say it all the time. And, and uh, well, let me go back one more time. I'm just going to be led of the Spirit all the way through this. Go to Deuteronomy 30. Apologize, folks. <clears throat> and I'm going to remind us what we already know. In Deuteronomy 30 and 19, it says, I call heaven and earth to record this day against you that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose life that both you and your seed may live, that you may love the Lord your God and you may obey his voice and you may cleave unto him for he is your life and the length of your days. Now, in order to obey, you have to be able to hear, right? Many people say, well, I... I don't hear. Well, guess what? You start with the choice. He said, I'm putting it before you. I'll give you life or death, blessing or cursing. And if you don't know which way to go, I'll give you a hint. Hint, hint. Choose life. Now, wouldn't it be, wouldn't it be just so wonderful if it was the once and done? You know, just like that detergent, once and done. But you know what? We choose every day. As if the truth would be known, we choose more than every day. We choose with every thought that we choose to take, with every action we choose to do or not to do. We are always choosing life for God or we're choosing death against God. And uh, we don't boil it down that simplistically sometimes because we just get in a rush to get this done and get that done and get this done and get that done. Sometimes it is you know, stepping back and saying, listen, are my words lining up with God's words? Am I doing according to what the scriptures have mapped out, or am I against what they're doing? And so um, it says that you choose life. So let's look at Proverbs 4 real quick. This, again, is very familiar. He said, 420 says, My son, attend to my words. Incline your ear into my sayings. So... Who is doing the inclining, uh, uh, inclining? We are, aren't we? So it's a choice again, isn't it? When you incline your words, you know, if you go back up to verse 7, it says, wisdom is a principal thing. Therefore, get wisdom with all thy getting. Get understanding. You know, um, in verse 13, it says, take fast hold of instruction and let her not go. These are all action things that we are to do. God has already done his part. And that's a concept for a lot of people that it's difficult for a lot of people. Um, they don't think that way, and they pray for God. God, you know, poof it to me. Give it to me. Do this. And really, God's already done everything he's going to do. What, what is necessary is for us to line ourselves up. And we will never line ourselves up unless we change the way we think. Now, you remember, we've talked about this many times, but you remember that you are a spirit. You have a soul, which is your mind, your will, and emotion, and you live in an earth suit, a body. And then when you go, like if the, I take off the suit coat 
and I keep on going, but my suit coat stays behind. It has no life in it. Well, the body has no life once you leave. But when you leave, you just step out. Death is not a bad thing, but I want to tell you, don't go early and don't go sick. Well, why not? Well, everybody know God gave them a purpose. He has a plan and a purpose for their life, and it's a wonderful plan and a wonderful purpose. You have people that you can reach for God that I cannot because you have a plan and a purpose to do those things. And if you depart early or if the enemy convinces you that it's your time to go because after all, you know, there's a time for everybody to die. Does it say that in the scriptures? It says, no, 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 it doesn't say that. Just for clarification, no, 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 it doesn't say that. It says, it's appointed unto man once to die. There's no time thing. And the enemy wants to convince you that the time is earlier than what God says it is. But do you know that everything that you have been purposed to do in this lifetime, if you check out at 60, all those years that you were supposed to have lived, all of that that you were supposed to have talked to and gone to people and ministered and be a part of and sow those seeds, there's a void missing because you're not there. And so the enemy's job is to, you know, Mark 4 talks about the, his job is to come and steal the word from you. Because if he can steal the word, he steals the results. Now when we get, um, I'm going to stop partway in here, but I want to go through, let's go to Mark 5, but I want to talk about some testimonies that have happened in our midst. Because that's the most exciting. You hear about a bunch of them, and, um, uh, but you say, yeah, but... I don't know those people. I don't know those people. But here, in our midst, in our group, we have wonderful testimonies going on. And uh, I'm going to talk about uh, a big one outside of our immediate area because God's doing big things. God's doing small things. God's doing gigantic things. And, but what you can believe for is what you can receive. If you've been in a condition for a long time or you have little things in your body that have been plaguing you, but you just put them aside because you think I can live with that. I'm here to tell you, God does not want that for you. God wants you in divine health, walking in divine health, without any obstructions of any kind, fully financed to do the work that he's called you to do. He doesn't want you living paycheck to paycheck. He doesn't want you to live in un unminimal. He wants you to live on what he's already done and he's already provided. That makes sense? All right, so let's start with something that um, I heard this the other day, and I, I meant to bring the picture just to show you that you could see, but Kenneth Copeland tells a story. Uh, no, he tells the account. It's not a story. He tells the account of a young minister where he had gone and ministered, and one of the associate ministers, I, I believe if I have the facts correct, that his elbow was shot. And... Um, so God told him one day, he's in the ministry, and there's thousands, and I think there's 50,000 in a service in this particular church, and they have like three or four services a day. And so that's like a lot, don't you think? <laughs> but anyway, so this young man who was in, uh, one of the pastors on, on staff there, um, he said, I heard God, he, God told him that, and he said, I want to do something nice for you. And, um, and so... He kind of said, okay, yeah, that's good, you know, wonderful, thank you, Jesus, and, and he went on about his business. Well, I don't know how long after that 
he, um, uh, um, well, let me tell you the circumstances. When his elbow was shot, he was in constant pain, and he couldn't, you know, anything he did. And they had to go in, and they put this thing from here to up here so his elbow could bend. And so it's a metal rod in his, in his um, elbow, and he's in all pain. So one night he goes to bed, and he wakes up the next morning, and over next to him on his pillow is the metal rod. And, you know, I guess he probably checked out his elbow and stuff. There's no scars. There's no pain. There's nothing. It's just the rod. And how many of you know that the rods have numbers? And I think I, they even have dates and stuff on them, but then you can verify that this is the actual one that went into this man on this date, and so the serial number was on it. And they just showed a picture of this big rod. It's called God surgery. No pain, no recovery, no bill. Glory to God, don't you like it? Jesus already paid the bill. See, in, you know, can you think of something in your life that they have told you or you have been led to believe that this is it, that's all, this is how you're going to live with it, you're going to have to live with it, you're going to have to endure it. And then you hear about God doing something that you would even think you, I don't know about you, but I didn't really even think it was a possibility. I've heard about the rods disintegrating and people getting healed and they're doing this. And they said, oh, but pastor, you don't understand. I can't do this, you know, but the rod is gone, you know. And we've seen, we've seen miracles. So what I told you that one today for this reason, to stretch your thinking where you're concerned. I got the talk the other day about expectations and how it really is, and how it's going to be, and um, um, what I'm supposed to be looking at, and how I'm supposed to be responding, and how I'm going to have to make some difficult choices. And you know what? I smiled real nice. I just nodded my head, and all the time inside, I was standing up. I thought, but God but God. And so finally, finally I was told, you know, this will never change unless God does something. I thought, yeah, we're getting to where we need to be. <laughs> but see, that's your armor. You know, your, 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 your shield of faith is out there. And so all the darts came and you just move your armor. You know, I mean, just you move your shield of so they don't penetrate. Nothing penetrated. Nothing penetrated. As a matter of fact, when we got out of the office, I just leaned over and I said, you know everything that was said in there. It doesn't make any difference because we're going to dance, aren't we? We're going to sing and we're going to go across the country and say how God has healed and restored. And I heard, yes. Amen. Glory to God. Whose report... Do you believe? Don't even, don't even accept the little things. I told you that I had issues doing stuff the last time around. Well, I'm going to tell you now, I have progress. I've got progress. I'm not stopping till the fullness of what I believe in God for is there. How long is it going to take? I don't know. I don't care. Doesn't make any difference. I'm already free. I already have it. He already did it. I already received it. It's done. There's no more use talking about it except to say thank you, Jesus. 
But you have to get there in your thinking. You have to get to where you stand. So with that, I'm going to stop for a couple minutes. I'm going to ask a couple people who want to, to just to tell what's gone on in their life and what they've seen happen healing-wise. Can you want to start? Okay, two minutes now. Okay, let's do it this way. Yeah. Okay, we're going to try. Okay, can you hear me? All right, I will do my best here. My, uh, we've just, uh, my father-in-law, Royce Moncrief, uh, has been in and out of the hospital probably about the last several months. And uh, he has developed a fluid buildup on his body. And... Uh, the doctors, uh, he, had, he was up to 400 pounds at one time and just in and out. And uh, basically, uh, three to four weeks ago, we got a bad doctor's report. And I'm going to tell you what the doctor said. Uh, the doctor said that, that there's nothing that they could do, that uh, he had congestive heart failure, uh, his kidneys were not functioning, Sodium, potassium levels, not normal. Everything was going wrong. So, um, so I just got, got with my wife and my boys, and, and we just stood in agreement, uh, stood on God's word. Better, thank you. And, uh, and every time we went to visit him, uh, we would just cover him in prayer, speak God's word, believe that the fluid's coming off, uh, all the levels are normal. His life's uh, flowing through his body. Uh, spoke his word over and over and over. And uh, this past Tuesday, they went back to the doctor. And the doctor said, I'm shocked. <laughs> he said that my father-in-law went from... 400 pounds to 240-something pounds. And the fluid's off. God's working, touching him, healing him. And so my wife and I found out later that, that the doctor basically gave him up for dead, but we didn't know. So he said, get this man up, rehab him, and get him out of the hospital. So I just thank God for it. He's working mightily. And his boys would go speak to their grandpa, speak over, pray over their grandpa, speak confessions over him. And they were just faithful. And on the other side, even though it doesn't always look like what you're doing is being received, refuse to look with those eyes. It's not necessary. Keep looking with your faith because you will see. You will see what you're looking for. Anybody else want to testify?
Ainda não na ideia. Okay. My name is Joy Lines. Just in case that no one knows. I've come a long way. The Lord Jesus Christ has always walked with me, although I've had my back turned on him several times in my life. Uh, I had a kind of difficult childhood, but nothing that the Lord didn't deal with. But I've been born again. So that past childhood's got nothing to do with my future. I can talk now. The Holy Spirit's done got hold of me. All right. We, my husband and I, Roger, had been hurt by churches before. We believed in the total healing. We believed in the word of God from Genesis to Revelation. There's no in-between. If God said it, it's true, and we're going to stand on it. Uh, years ago, we had prayed for some people, and they received their healing, the eyesight, their ears was open, every bell in the church house tore, and... The next Sunday, we were asked not to come back to the church, that they didn't believe in that stuff. So Roger and I stepped away from the church, and we haven't had a home church since. Uh, the Lord led me to start ministering to people online, on the Internet. Well, I wanted a body of believers to stand with me and to give me the support that spiritually I needed because I had been spiritually wounded. I needed to be healed spiritually. And Roger and I was out looking for a church one day, and we couldn't find the church. We seen Harvest. And I told Roger, let's go home and look Harvest up. Well, September the 27th, we were at Harvest. And when Roger asked me what I want for my birthday, I said, I want to go to Harvest to the Healing and Wellness. And that's with my anniversary present. And we've been here every time since. And this is my home. This is my family. And y'all don't know how much Harvest touches people's hearts, gives them the boldness and the strength to step out. Testimony, though. Tell us what happened, good healing. Which one? The, one okay. I was diagnosed with diabetes. My blood sugar was 450. I was put on 25 units of insulin in the morning, 25 units at night. I don't claim diabetes. I do not have it. Man diagnosed me with diabetes. But Jesus Christ diagnosed me healed. So... I've witnessed to my doctor, and he no longer calls me a diabetic patient. When I sign in, they, they'll even tell him that your symptom fighter's here. Out in the, uh, in the uh, waiting area, okay, when you to go back there, 
people have asked me, do you have diabetes or is it thyroid? I said, nope, I don't have diabetes. I said, I'm, I'm a diagnosed diabetic, but I said, I don't have diabetes. I'm a symptom fighter in Jesus' name. Her husband is saying that she is off of the insulin. And she's coming off of other medicines. And, and I can also tell you that she has another. She had a healing just this last week in her body. And so, I mean, just glorious things are happening. This is in our midst. This is right here. And I'm going to say this for my brother-in-law who is going to be listening online in a couple of days. Hello, thank you for joining us. He told us he was going to join us. He's in another state. He's going to join us online. So all of you that are joining online, thank you. The power of God is present to heal right now, whether you're in this place or whether you listen online later. There's no time. There's no distance in the spirit. Receive what you need from God always. Well, glory to God. So we're, we're, we're getting a lot of testimonies. It used to, I used to um, look out and say, well, they would talk about this one being healed, and they would talk about that one. They would, but I didn't ever know anybody. And, um, but God took me not very long ago to some of the things when I didn't think I knew anybody. He took me back in time to people that I had prayed for an instant Instant manifestations. Uh, it was kind of like I didn't count that, you know. I don't know why I didn't count that. And then he started showing me different things in uh, the people that I associated with and different things that they personally had experienced by the power of God. And then one time when I was ministering in a nursing home, I'm going to tell you this because it's what you can do at any time. I'm walking down the hallway. There's long hallways, and, and I'm just, you know, bebopping, going to get my patients, and, and uh, um, somebody left something on the floor, and um, in, in a moment of a time, it went, I don't think it was a half a second, I was kissing the floor, not in the right way either, and so I'm on there, and I'm trying to hit my knees really bad, and um, um, I was trying to figure out how to get up, you know, all dignity by that time is gone, you know, you might as well just forget about that part of it because you want to think, oh, God, who saw me? Well, when the paint's talking, it doesn't matter who saw you. After the paint subsides, then you think, oh, what did I do? And so, uh, and so I'm just getting to my knees, and I'm trying, to, I'm trying to have less pain as I get up and whatever, and then the nurse looks over the counter and says, oh, did you fall? I thought, no, I'm down here for fun. But she never offered to help me, you know? And so I got up, and both knees were not talking, but they were literally screaming. I still have to go get the little lady I was out to go get, and I have to teach for the next hour. And so, you know, my whole body's talking to me. And so, and then, then you add the embarrassment factor. How many people saw me? How many people laughed? And then a little while later, they came up. They didn't help me up, but they came and gave me papers and wanted me to fill out an accent report. I said, no, thank you. Everything is good and everything's screaming in my body. So I get this little lady, and everybody else is assembled in the, in the big uh, dining area, and so we're getting ready to, to, we're getting ready to um, have the Word of God. And, and so I just told everybody what I did. I said, I want to tell you all what I did. devil's not going to embarrass me. You know, I, I, listen, you can think however you want to think, 
but I am, I, I'm not going to have that pressure. If I make a mistake, I'll happily apologize, you know. And if I'm embarrassed by something, I'm going to get over it because I'm not going to. There's not, that fear comes in and tells you how you don't measure up. Well, God never measures you to another person. All the measuring stick is always this. That, that's it. And then God is never out to get you. He loves you. If he was out to get you, how long would it take for you? For him to find you. You know, when I thought about that, I thought, oh, wow, that's good. So anyway, so I told everything that I did, and I was on the floor, and I said, now, everything I've been teaching you about over this time, I'm going to show you what you do with that. I said, you see these hands? They're anointed to lay hands on the sick and the sick recover. Pull your hands out. Tell your hands. Hands, you are anointed to lay hands on the sick and the sick recover. Because that's what God's word says about you. So it's not for a person. It's for whoever will receive it. And I told him what happened. And I told him where the pain was. I said, now I'm going to take my hands. And I'm going to apply it to my knees. And I did that. And I spoke to my knees. And I thank God for healing after I took authority and spoke to my knees. And then I went about teaching the word of God. It, I do not believe it was less than, it was more than two minutes. It was probably 30 seconds. I think it was less than 30 seconds. And as I walked around and I'm in the middle of a sentence, I said, oh, by the way, all the pain is gone. And I never missed a beat and keep on going. See, in all those things that we think maybe are little, you know, um, they're not little. They're big. They're important things. God did something in your life. There may be somebody else that needs exactly what you have. So why would you not proclaim it? Let's go over to Mark 5. I want you to see a couple things. We're going to be in 5, and we're going to start in 22. My Bible is um, all written up and has all my notes and everything like that, but it's King James. The new King James will be up, and, uh, but I just haven't been able to wean myself away from this and all my notes. So I'm going to read in the in the King James, but the new King James will be up on the screen for you. It says, And behold, there cometh one of the rulers of the synagogue, Jairus by name. And when he saw him, Jesus, he fell at his feet. Now let, let's, let's set the stage here for a second. Here's Jairus coming. He's the leader of the synagogue. Who was persecuting Jesus at this time? The Jewish leaders, were they not? Wasn't there some, uh, some uh, or a lot of concern that Jesus was taken away from them, telling them to do things, and these leaders? So here's a leader of the synagogue coming to Jesus. Now, what do you think he gave up to come? Pride? Right? So he gave up pride. What else did he give up? Think about this. See, we come to a meeting. What effort does it take us to come most times? We want to come clean. We want to come, you know, decently dressed. You know, we, we come, we have a, a travel time. But look at this man. He's the leader of the synagogue. Um, let me read a second, the next verse in 23. It says, And besought him greatly, saying, My little daughter lies at the point of death, I pray thee, come and lay your hands on her that she may be healed and she shall live. So here he is, he comes and he's kneeling down by Jesus. 
the same Jesus that the others are persecuting. The same Jesus, when people accepted Jesus during that time, when they followed Jesus, what did they do? They kicked him out of the synagogues, didn't they? They kicked him out of their, um, they kicked him out of their, uh, uh, their lifestyle. Other people shunned him. Now, here is the ruler of the synagogue. Where do you think he got money from? Don't you think that was his livelihood? All right. So what, did he, what is he giving up here? He's giving up his livelihood. He's giving up his way of life. He's giving up his friends. He's giving up his pride. He's giving up basically everything that he has come to know in the lifestyle that he has in order to come at the feet of Jesus and bow down and say, on behalf of my daughter, I'm asking you to please come and heal her. How much love that father had for his daughter. So he's looking, he's doing this. And what happens? It says, and Jesus went with him. And much people followed him and thronged him. So now think about, what was Jesus doing before Jairus came? Was he sitting on a rock having coffee? He was ministering, wasn't he? He was doing something because he just, he, what did he come to do? To teach, to preach, and to heal. To teach, to preach, and to heal. To teach, to preach. So he had to be doing a teaching, a preaching, or a healing. That's what he was doing. So here comes somebody with some kind of faith, and we can say it this way, some kind of belief that if he got to Jesus and asked Jesus for something, Jesus would do what he needed. He put everything on the line to do this. And so he said, his faith declaration is this, if you will come and lay your hands on her, she'll be healed. That's what he said, right? So Jesus went with them. That faith moved Jesus in another direction. So what, what, what do you think all those other people that were in that crowd were doing? Now, first of all, the crowd, it says the crowd was pretty big as we read a little further. How did Jairus get to Jesus? Yeah, but if you've got... If, if, if this place is packed out that you can't walk, how do you, you know, it was an effort, regardless of what it was, it was an effort, right? Because all these other people want what Jesus has too. Now, it says Jesus went with him and much people followed him and thronged him. So they moved up against him, they pushed him. And a certain woman which had an issue of blood 12 years. Now listen to this had suffered many things with many physicians, and had spent all she had was nothing bettered, but rather grew worse. She's in the doctor's office for hours. She's spent all her being. She's tired. She's broke. Her people have shunned her because when, she, when you're in that condition, you are, quote, unquote, unclean, and you have to have somebody calling saying you're unclean. So when she's making up her mind... She said, when she had heard of Jesus, came in the press, in the crowd, and touched his garment, for she said, if I touch but his clothes, I shall be whole, or restored to health. And Okay, so let me just stop there. So she made a decision. What did she give up to come? She's unclean. She cannot be out in public. 
Somebody literally has to say, now listen, if you read in the Old Testament and what happens when somebody's unclean, anything they touch is unclean. Anybody they touch are unclean for, I believe if I'm right, it's a week at that point. And then you've got to do certain things in order to be clean again. So no matter where she was, what she did is she, come, she brushed against somebody, they were unclean. Now, the other part of that is that type of illness if you came out in public when you were not supposed to, you could be stoned. So who had the power to order the stoning? Jairus, the leader of the synagogue. Okay, so let's just back up in the account one more time. Here's a crowd of people Jesus witnessing to, Jesus teaching, preaching, or healing, and here comes Jairus, and he comes and he comes down and, and by Jesus, and he says, if you will come and lay my hand, your hands on my daughter, she will be made whole. So everything stops what he's doing. The whole crowd is going to the way of Jairus' house. And here comes this bold woman who took her life in her own hand, and she somehow or another nudges the crowd. Everybody she touches is now unclean. She's not getting to that crowd. She's not getting to Jesus without touching somebody in the crowd because they thronged him. We'll see later what the disciples said. So she comes up and she grabs a hold of the shawl, the prayer shawl, and she knows immediately in her body that she's healed. Let's read it. And she said, "For if I may touch 28, but his clothes, I shall be whole. And straightway the fountain of her blood was dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed of that plague. And Jesus, immediately knowing in himself that virtue or power, had gone out of him, turned in about in the press, and said, Who touched my clothes? And his disciples said to him, You see the multitude? What? Hello? What do you mean, who touched you? Who didn't touch you? What do we mean, who touched you? Now listen. Everything stopped. Anybody have a daughter or a child in this? Anybody have any children? All right. If your child was lying at the point of death and help was footsteps away and some goofy woman stopped everything, what do you think would be going through your mind? Come on, get out of here. I think the thought about stoning that woman crossed his mind. I really do. He had the power to do it. But we all know had he done that, he would have lost everything, right? Everything that he gave up to begin with would then be lost as well as his daughter. But you can't, you can't convince me otherwise because everybody has those thoughts that flee through and say, well, if you hadn't have done that, then I could have done it. So he's in the middle of this. Now listen what happens here. She's trying to sneak away. She got something, didn't she? And she's trying to sneak away unnoticed. Now, how are, you, how, how are you born again? You believe in your heart, and what do you do? You confess with your mouth, don't you? Those two things, that's what the Bible says, you believe in your heart, that, you know, Jesus, Jesus, and you confess with your mouth. Well, she believed in her heart if she could touch the hem of his garment that she would be made whole. How many people get something in healing service and leave and take it back because they never testify what they got? Well, I don't, I'll see. I, one guy I prayed for one time, he said, well, if I don't see it by Saturday, I won't believe it. I thought, oh, God, oh, God. I didn't know anything at that time. Oh, God, oh, God, you know. 
listen, it's already done. She positioned herself, he positioned himself by faith to receive what was already done. And you see Jesus responding. Now look at this. It says, the woman fearing and trembling, knowing what was done in her, came and, and fell down before him and told all the truth. I have a friend that says, when do you know the last time a woman told all of anything and it only took a minute? So if she is telling all the truth, don't you think it took a little time? What was Jairus doing? What was Jairus doing? You know, I'd be like, you know, trying to hold it all together, but I'm thinking, you know, the symptoms are talking to you. My daughter, my daughter, what about my daughter? I mean, I, I, I care about this woman, but what about my daughter? I love my daughter. And yet Jesus is tending to this, and he tells her, daughter, your faith has made you whole. What's the difference between a whole and healed? What's the difference? What did the scripture say? She had spent all she had. Healed doesn't replace spending all she had, does it? Whole means restored, restored to health. It's like the lepers that went, remember? And one came back to praise, and he said, weren't ten of you healed? But what did he tell that leper? That he's whole. That he's whole. What does that mean to a leper? Well, if the digits are missing or eaten off, guess what? Wholeness. Wholeness means that there was, there's parts in the storehouse that were replaced. Glory to God. Hearts. Hearts. Hearts are not a hard thing for God. Hearts. God said hearts. You can have a new heart if you need a new heart. You need new lungs today? Take them. The parts, the, the door is open to the parts. Just receive God. There's a warehouse of parts. God's the creator of all things. You got hearing deficiency? Ears be opened in the name of Jesus. Glory to God. So he said, daughter, your faith has made you whole. Go in peace and behold of that plague. While he yet spake, there came from the ruler of the synagogue's house certain which said, your daughter's dead. Don't trouble the master anymore. Now, how would you like to hear that statement? Your daughter's dead. What's the first thing? It was Well, if that woman wouldn't have interfered, we would have been there by now, and we could have done this. And so what does Jesus say? As soon as Jesus heard the word that was spoken, can I put it this way? He said unto the ruler of the synagogue, be not afraid, only believe. Let me put it this way. As soon as Jesus heard those words, he ignored them. And he looked at the man and said, don't let fear get you. Believe me, I'm greater than that fear. I don't care what they said. I don't care what they said. It makes no difference what they said. Believe me and you will have what you came to have. Now I have a couple of questions for you. Who determined the method in which they got healed? Jesus or Jairus and the woman? Jairus and the woman determined how they got healed. Jesus didn't have any, Jesus did not, Jesus did not say, well, Jairus, 
I'll, I'll, uh, I understand that you want me to come lay your hands on her, but we're going we're gonna to dance in a circle first, and we're going to do this, and we're going to do this, and she'll be okay. Jairus released his faith and said, if you will come lay your hands on her, she will be healed. And Jesus responded, didn't he? And as they were going, the woman with the issue of blood, she had heard about Jesus, and she said, if I can just touch the hem of his garment... I will be made whole. And that's exactly... So what, it, what is that, what they did? It is the point, the release of their faith is what they did. They released their faith in that manner, and that's how God responded back. He's already done the healing. It's already been paid for at the cross. There's nothing more that he's going to... He's not going to go back and pay again. So when you have something, you know, get before the Lord and figure out hear from God. How is it I'm going to address this? Do you have words, Holy Spirit, that I'm supposed to speak to this issue, to speak to this problem? And see, when you, one word from God changes your life forever. You've been dealing with something that's pretty pesky, something that hasn't seemed to go away, then it's kind of like, am I out of step or is God out of step? It has to be me. So, but I don't know. I don't know how to get back in step. Well, that's where Holy Spirit comes in to lead you and guide you. You get in the scriptures. You get in the scriptures and see what God says. You know, at certain times when I'm praying for certain people, God will give me a particular word. Now, I always think that that is going to mean instant. Well, it doesn't always mean instant. It's always a progress, a process. Whether the process is instantaneous just means it's a quick process, or whether the process takes some time to walk out, either way, it's a process. And you will reap if you faint not. But if you sit down in the middle of the battle and you don't want to play anymore, you're not going to do anything, you're going to lose. It's like being in the canoe in the, on the Mississippi River. If you don't paddle, you're going to go wherever that current wants you to go. You're not going your own direction. And uh, you, you and Jesus are going to have to paddle if you're in Mississippi to get to the other side because <laughs> that current is strong. But my point is this, is that you can't, Romans 12, 1 and 2, be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed. That's a caterpillar to a butterfly by the renewing of your mind. Now, the renewing of your mind is to the things of God. Do it God's way, you get God's results. You want 10% God results? 10%. You spend 10% of your time with God, you know, you get 10%. 10%. That's not an accurate statement. Let me, I apologize. Let me, let me take that back. The, to the measure that you make God first in your life for these situations is the measure that you get back. If you only put 10% effort into it, you know, if you're putting 100% effort in believing God and listening to God, you can't help but get 100% results. So, and it's not, there's never, ever any condemnation, ever. It's always just trying to figure out how to line yourself up to receive freely what he already gave. The receiving freely is where we all, you may be perfect in this area, but you may not, we have deficiencies in this area. I may be perfect in that area and have deficiencies in the other. And it's aligning ourselves and learning and listening to the Spirit of God and deciding what we're going to do and then taking action toward that. 
if you're going to ask your eyes, if you're going to ask your ears, if you're going to ask your senses, if you're healed, they're always going to trip you up. They're always going to lead you in the wrong way. The five physical senses are the lowest place of manifestation. Faith that God will do what he said in his word for me is what's important. And you can have what you say. Both of these people, both of these people got from Jesus. Now listen, let's, let's, finish, let's finish the account. He said, um, as soon as Jesus heard the word that was spoken, he said unto the ruler of the synagogue, be not afraid, only believe. We don't see an account of Jairus saying anything else after that. Yeah, Lord, but you don't know what they said. They said she was dead. Now, isn't that when you go to pray for people sometimes, that's what they say. You don't know what the doctor said. The doctor said, I'll never do such and such. So, who do you believe? Whose report do you believe? Now, sometimes we're in a position where we know we don't have enough faith to believe for what God says is ours, right? So, we don't allow condemnation to come in. What do we do? We get in the word of God that concerns what we need, and we feed, and we feed, and we feed, and we feed. And as we feed on the word of God, faith grows, and all of a sudden you wonder how you're not this faith giant all the time. But because you've nurtured and you've fed that area, your faith has grown, and you can grab a hold of what God says, and it's not hard for you to believe. Remember Hebrews 3 and 4, it says we labor to enter into his rest. He said, be not afraid, only believe. So anything you're facing, anything you're facing, get fear out. Command fear to leave. Do not allow it to come in. Do not allow it. If you've got a doubt coming in your mind, take the sword of the Spirit and speak the word of God against that thought. Don't, every, every doubt like that that's trying to come against the word of God requires a response. All right. And he suffered no man to follow him, save Peter and James and John, the brother of James. I wonder why. Do you know why? Why did he want nobody to follow him? Let's get all that unbelief out. Let's go in faith. Let's take those that will believe. You ever been in a group and somebody says, well, agree with me in prayer. I need such and such and so and so. And you're thinking, that ain't possible. See, I didn't know better before, but I know now if I can't believe for what that person needs, I'm not going to agree in faith with them. I'm going to just step back and say, let me just let somebody else come that knows that they know that they know that you can get what they want. You know, and then I'll build myself up so the next time that comes along, I can believe somebody to have gold teeth or whatever they've asked for. But, you know, my little mind went tilt on that one. It's kind of like, why do you need gold teeth? Why is that necessary? I didn't say that, but that's what's going on in my mind. So I knew that I couldn't agree for gold teeth because I didn't see any need for them. But that's me for my life, but for his life, he wanted gold teeth. I'm not going to judge that. I don't care. But I'm just not going to be part of him not getting what he believes for. And so somebody else stepped up and said, I can believe for that. And they prayed and they agreed and praise God, I learned something and you know, I still don't know about gold teeth, but <laughs> at least I'm not shocked by that. So, you know, glory, what is it you want? It's not hard for God. It's not impossible for God. God doesn't rule out gold teeth. In fact, he's done gold teeth. One of the meetings I heard about not too long ago, um, 
the guy, one of the guys, uh, by the end of the meeting, had uh, 50 pounds off his body, and he had his pants, like, pulled out to here. He said, he said, God took 50 pounds. I guess he had to lose weight, but his, he proved it right there. I mean, he didn't leave the auditorium or anything. So, you know, we limit God, but we shouldn't. And he suffered no man to follow him, save Peter and James and John, the brother of James. And he cometh to the house of the ruler of the synagogue and seeth the tumult or the, the wailing, the hired people back then, and them that wept and wailed greatly. And when he was coming, um, he said unto them, why make ye this ado and weep? The damsel's not dead, but sleepeth. Now listen, they're all wailing and moaning and groaning and oh, and now listen to what they do. And they laughed in the scorn. What happened to all the wailing and the moaning and the groaning? All of a sudden they're laughing him to scorn like, you don't know what you're doing. Your faith, your faith will put you in a position of ridicule. Your testimony of healing sometimes will put you in a, in a position of ridicule. Pastor has on his Facebook site this man that addressed the UN uh, assembly. And this guy in the UN assembly got up and told how he was clinically dead for 45 minutes. And he told what happened after that. And then he told how Jesus, Jesus, Jesus raised him up in front of the UN assembly. We need more of that. We need more boldness. But do you know that there's some in there that I'm quite sure of did not receive that and scoffed at it, just like you're going to encounter some, but you're the one that's healed. You're the one that's fear-free. You're the one that's uh, disease-free walking. You're the one that's experienced the divine nature of God in action. Don't be moved by what they say is what I'm saying. But when he put them all out, he taketh the father and the mother of the damsel and put them that were with him and entered in where the damsel was laying. And he took the damsel by the hand and said unto her, Talitha Kumi, I believe that is, which is being interpreted, damsel, I say, arise. And straightway the damsel arose and walked, and for she was the age of 12 years, and they were astonished with a great astonishment. I find it interesting to me that they, they weren't full of faith. They were astonished. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. But it certainly does open the door. Uh, Dr. Hagen says this is going to be the, um, Kenneth Hagen said this, that it's going to be the dinner bell that calls people in. Glory to God. So, what you believe for matters. When you come to God, and you say, well, it's up to him how he does it. That scripture says you can come and say, Lord, I need this. And you can receive. Now, I'm not, so, so I'm not, so you hear me, that I'm not saying that God doesn't do things his way because he does do things his way. You know, if you hear from the man of God to, you know, do a particular thing, um, you have to do it. You know, uh, the, the Syrian had to go dip in the River Jordan. They're all cold. They're all cold. They're all cold. Put the air up. Um, so, God has a way of doing his things, but your faith produces results. The one with the issue of the blood. 
She heard, she acted, she received. Jairus heard about Jesus, went. Both of them with great, great opportunity to have their lives changed completely, totally. They counted that less than what they could get by going towards Jesus. Oh, glory to God. Pastor, I'm going to ask you this because I feel like in my spirit that you might have something you want to share. By how the multitude was following Jesus when he went with uh, Jairus. And uh, he's, he forbid anyone to follow him except for his three. And it had to be some in the multitude that were upset. But then he comes to the house and he sends people out of the house. Some of them felt like they legitimately should be in the house. Some of them were professional mourners. They paid to well and mourn. But there's probably some family members there that felt like they had a right to be there, and he got them out of the house. And sometimes you have to be just, this is life or death, and sometimes you have to put things out of your life or people out of your life. And you can't mess around with doubt and unbelief. He said, only believe. Yeah, I've thought about before, what did Jesus do? He heard, he heard the news, and I believe he probably said, you know, stop, don't be afraid, only believe, and probably went. That's just me, I just thought. said, don't say a word, go. And I believe he was probably quiet the whole way. Now, he just saw the woman with the issue of blood get healed. So he probably thought, Jesus tells me to, I'm buttoning it. I'm doing what he says because I just saw the miracle working power of God. And I believe he'll do that for my daughter. So many times the enemy tries to creep into our houses. One of the ways he creeps in is through our TVs. He creeps in with his message. He creeps in through people around us that are speaking doubt and unbelief and meaning well, but they're not standing in faith. And we, we cannot tolerate it. I mean, we have to be just like Jesus and put that stuff. Uh, a lot of times we're our own worst enemy. We let things in and we're tired. We're running all day and where you just you plop down and you let doubt and unbelief feed you for a while. Because that's what most of it is. And, you know, we're a society, we're running to and fro. Most people are tired. So what do you do? You just flop down. But what are we flopping down in front of? Usually it's doubt and unbelief. It's here's some fear. Here's some this sickness is happening. This is happening. There's this rare mosquito that's going around. And, you know, this mosquito uh, gets you. And, and it's now in the United States. and it, It's just all kinds of stuff. But we're of a different kingdom, and we have to push that stuff out of our life. And we can't be passive about it. We have to rise up and say, 
not having that in our house and get the junk out. And that means you have to be intentional. You have to own purpose. And you have to feed on the Word. And I don't care how much you've heard the Word, there's something else there for you. God will speak to you another way. I don't care how familiar the, the Word is. Uh, one time the Lord told me, He said, people are not getting heart faith until in, in the natural they're sick and tired of hearing that Word. <laughs> Whoa, what? Because I was complaining a little bit. I said, Lord, I've heard this. And... Uh, so have you really? <laughs> Not until you're sick and tired of hearing it. Are you just beginning to get it in your heart? And I said, oh. And he reminded me of the way I got saved in the first place. It was a process. I didn't hear the gospel one time. So, oh boy, that's it. It was a process of God working and, and stirring my life. And, and then I, I came to him. I believe it's the same way. You know, of healing, the same way of uh, anything. But God can do the supernatural, and you lay hands, you can get it. And But if you get it, you want to keep it. And the trouble is, we have a lot of people getting healed that don't stay healed because they don't keep it, because they don't resist it, because the enemy's going to come back. Do you remember when you first got saved? Uh, did the enemy come back and say, you're not saved? Well, anything you get from God, he's going to come back and try and steal it from you. He told me I wasn't saved. It's the reason I went down to the altar so much that they got tired of ministering to me. <laughs> you know, well, I've, I know last week I got saved, but I need to get saved again. And finally, the, the word, Romans 10, 9, 10, I have done that. But my behavior, I've still got some stinking thinking and acting like a nut. And then it's renewing the mind. That's what changes, you know, that behavior. And, and it's a process. And many times we don't like the process. So we want instant. Instant society. Instant microwave. I get upset if I'm at a drive-in window and it takes too long. I mean, I'm going, what am I doing, you know? I'm impatient, and, and, you know, the line is moving, but I want it like that. But, you know, God, he's, he says like a seed. It's planted. Uh, a farmer knows you don't just go out and throw the seed and go out the next day and harvest. <laughs> but the good news is we have the resurrection power of the Lord Jesus Christ on the inside of us, and we can release that supernatural power that anointing that will drive out sickness and disease out of your body. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead. That quickening power in the Holy Spirit. But you still have to renew your mind to keep it. To keep what God gives you. Yeah, I think a lot of times we're, we're lacking in what Jesus did. Keeping doubt and unbelief out. It just takes a little bit of faith. But it's a doubt and unbelief. That we got to keep out. Only believe. And if you have to shut off the. Maybe you're clearing the room. And cutting off TV. Or whatever it is. Cutting it out. That you can receive. Because it's life and death. Doesn't mean I don't. You know, I've said things for. You don't watch 
movies or I enjoy a good movie. I'm just saying there are, there are things that will pull you in um, the news. I know people that get addicted to the news. I have to watch it, uh, the news because I'll get to, to watching and I'm going, you know, I don't want that or whatever. I'm, I'm listening and I have to cut off because that's not me. My peace is from the Lord. It's a supernatural peace. It's not even human peace. It's his peace he says he gives us. So I've got God's supernatural peace. So I go with that. And God has our, our nation. Do we need uh, awakening? Do we need God's people stirred up alive? Yes. But when um, Joe was ministering about you know, those little things. It's when you get those little victories, you know, uh, it it builds. You get stronger. You're exercising your faith. You get stronger and stronger. And we need to get to the po point we're not putting up with anything. But what about a transfer of wealth? You know, I've had all these dreams about a wealth transfer. What if God's people didn't need doctors, <laughs> didn't need medication, we got into God's divine health and life to the point that we didn't have to go. I'd be a wealth transfer right there. Billions of dollars, billions of dollars are spent. And nothing against, you know, doctors. I'm, I'm not, I mean, uh, nothing uh, about that. I'm just saying, what if we walked in divine health and we did not have a need there? I, be, I believe it's available. There's no condemnation. I mean, I, uh, no problem with going, but there's more. And the good news is God has a line for such a time as this. This is the more time. This is the more time. This is the harvest. This is where we're going to see the things we've been believing for brought to pass. And it's a glorious time to be alive. It's an exciting time. And it's a time where darkness is growing darker, but it says grace will abound in those times. The light of God is getting brighter, and we're going from glory to glory. So it's a great time to be alive. I'm excited to see what God is doing and what he's going to do uh, in our lives. So keep the doubt and unbelief out. Just shut the door on it. Say, I refuse it. And in those little things where it tries to, to creep in. And there's people talking to us doubt and belief all the time. And inside, you can't just go around, that's doubt and unbelief, get out of my life. <laughs> or, you know, shut your mouth, that's doubt. You can't do that kind of stuff because they don't know. You're, and what inside, though, you say, I don't, I don't receive that. Inside you, you're standing up on the inside, I don't receive that. Where if you told them, I don't receive what you're saying. You just lost your witness and ministry to them. <laughs> They're gone. And we got to be wise. There, there's people at all different levels. And we got to be wise in what they can receive. Because if they can't receive it, we can't minister. It's, it's no good. The Lord showed me uh, a dream in a few years ago. But it was... It was a harvest field, two farmlands. They were all equal size. They looked like the same field, but it was two different guys 
going into a field. They had uh, a basket, bushel basket. They were going in to get the harvest. And one man goes in, and he got two or three kernels of, of corn. It didn't look like much at all. The same conditions, just right next door, another guy went in, in and he was overflowing with a harvest. It was just overflowing. It was coming out of it. The Lord said, what was the difference? They both had the same message. They both had my gospel. What was the difference? Well, what comes down to, this guy had a different method. He came and gave what people could receive. He came and ministered where they were at. Isn't that what Jesus did? Sure did. He ministered to people where they were at. Not on some different level. He, he came to their level. And he ministered to them where they were at. And then they can grow and get strong. And this guy, he was overflowing with harvest. So we got to be wise in those that we minister to at the same time. And the inside, you got to say, I don't receive that. I'm not taking that. That's not for me. I refuse that. That is full of doubt and unbelief. Your mind might be saying, they should know better than that. <laughs> you say, no, I refuse that. And you can pray for them later, you know, <laughs> and, and lift them up. Because the truth is, we all have times where we probably have spoken some stuff we don't want to believe. And we're all in this together. So we cannot... Uh, bring judgment and condemnation against anybody else because we're we're all walking uh, before a great father, a good father, and his mercy and his grace abounds towards us. If you'd like to get more information about resources from Church of the Harvest, please check out our website at midsouthharvest.org. You may also contact us by phone at 662-890-1573 or toll-free at 866-383-8277.